Ah, let's play a game. Again, and welcome to yet another edition of Is It Worth It? Now, if this is the first time you've listened to the show, what we normally do is we talk about rare and valuable games, pull them down from the shelf, play them, and then tell you whether or not we feel it's worth it for its current eBay price. Hi, I'm your host, Blaine J, and with me today, as always, co-host Mr. James Milholland. Hello, everyone. And some lady that agreed to marry me for some unbeknownst reason, my wife, Courtney. Nice to meet you, everyone. And today, collectively, we've decided to talk about an SNES classic that's kind of overlooked by a lot of people, Illusion of Gaia. Now, this was released in 1994 by Enix before they joined with Square. And it's a part of a trilogy. It's actually sandwiched right in the middle of three games, the first being Soul Blazer, which is one of my all-time favorite games, and the third game being Terranigma, which was actually never released here in the United States. Now, this game, for some reason, lost in time, isn't called Illusion of Gaia anywhere else but here in the States. Everywhere else, it's called Illusion of Time, which, again, I have no no knowledge as to why. Now, as for the game itself, I didn't play any of it. Spoilers. Um, I've played this game in the past. I liked it. It's not my favorite of the series. As I mentioned before, I really enjoy Soul Blazer quite a bit more than I do this one. Um, and, you know, I just didn't really have time in my schedule to play it fully. It's a 15 to 20 hour game. But luckily, my wife loved this game and she played through its entirety. So she's going to have quite a bit to talk about on this one. And James, you were able to play through a fair portion as well, correct? Yeah, um, it's like uh, the game's broken up into about 13 parts. I got through about maybe the first four or five. All right. Well, what one of the things I thought was really cool about this game is it uses actual landmarks from history. Things like the pyramids, uh, the Nazca lines. Um, in Peru. The, yeah, in Peru. The Great Wall of China. Um, all these different famous things throughout history. And you actually go to these places rather than creating new areas, which is cool, too. You're actually visiting places that exist. And um, <clears throat> your main character is named Will. And he is, you know, classically, to explain why he doesn't remember anything, he has washed ashore or something, and he's lost his memory. Uh, he was on a expedition with his father, who has gone missing, and he is the sole survivor, correct? Yes. And Absolutely. And he's at this school, is it? And he's got two or three friends he's made, and they have a little clubhouse, and Will seeks, here he goes to find his father. That's how the game starts, is it not? It's fairly close to how the game starts. <laughs> okay, well, you... you you tell us, Courtney, how does the game start? Um, the game actually starts with you in a classroom, and you're with your friends, as Blaine had previously mentioned. And uh, your teacher tells you to be careful for demons when you're outside of the school. And they have posted a guard, and you're not allowed to leave the city. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, at that point, you're free to roam around your city. And um, you have to figure out where you're supposed to go next, as this game is mainly linear. There's not really side puzzles or anything like that you're supposed mm -hmm. to do. Um, very much not like Zelda. Zelda or any of the other games. Um, you head down to see your friends and you find out that you have a magic flute and you can control things with your mind. Right. Yeah. Um, your friends are playing cards and they tell you to find the Ace of Hearts and you find it in the stack and then they make you move a statue across the room. And the next thing you know, you're rushed off to a castle um, because a 
princess is in your house and the king thinks you've stole some ring. Right. right. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I saw you play uh, this part of it anyway. And uh, gosh, you, you, you get accused of stealing a ring. You're honest. You say like, yeah, I, or I, I don't have the ring. And, My family doesn't have it. It's not in our things. Right. And the king throws you in jail. Right? Yes. And then you're broke free from jail by the princess. Is that correct? The princess and her pig. And her pig. Hamlet. Don't forget Hamlet. He's very Delicious important. Hamlet. Yes, that's later in the story, though. <laughs> of course. And, uh, yeah. And her name is Kara, the princess. And, of course, she, you find out, of course, of course, of course, that she is much, much more important than originally thought to be. Initially, you think she's just kind of a whiny brat. Um, you're constantly having to save her from various situations. Uh, this first area that you go to after you escape from pri- prison, I believe, is the Incan Ruins. Um. Actually, the first area is inside the dungeon itself. Well, yeah. Um, and that's where you learn your basic combat, hitting things. With the flute, which with is hilarious. Flute. Yeah, yes, you're, yes. you're laying beat down with a musical instrument. Uh-huh. Um, and it's the same throughout the entire game. It's very basic combat, mm-hmm. but they've um, included, um, if you cl- kill all of the enemies in a specific area, you get some kind of a boon. Right. You get um, a health increase. You get strength increase, strength, defense, defense et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it, it, that, that's how you like level up in the game. And, and what's like interesting, defeating everything about that is it makes it even more linear than your average RPG because like your Final Fantasies, etc. You can grind in a particular area and and get further and further, you know, up the strength scale. Whereas in this game, there's a very finite amount of enemies and a finite amount of power ups. In fact, you can only get to a certain amount of strength in this game, and to do so, you have to kill every enemy in the game. Yes. Um, if you miss any enemies in a particular area, you may miss one of these very vital power-ups that either power up your health or etc. as we explained. Um, you do throughout the course of the game, uh, after doing little MacGuffin quests and stuff for various things, unlock different powers for not only the main character, but the other characters in this game as well, which we'll get to. But the main character, he learns things like a uh, running kick. Psychic dash. Yeah, a psychic um, dash, which you use to like break, break down things walls. Apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's the psychic slide, where um, you don't actually use that, I believe, until you get to moo and you're sliding underneath Under walls things. to it's, get to other areas. It's also a 70s dance move. Oh, is it? No. <laughs> I'm, I must be too young to have experienced this. Um, and then he has one other move now. and oh, like, the, Spin dash yes. or whatever? Spin dash, yeah. yes. And that becomes very important once you get to the Great Wall of China. Oh, okay. Well, I, well, explain why it's good in the Great Wall of China. What does that enable you to do? Um, get to areas you couldn't get to otherwise. You have to go up and down ramps. You also have to utilize one of the other um, characters. characters. Okay. And we, we can go ahead and get to those right now. At, early on in the game, you're able to unlock a character named Freedan, which... Freedan. Yeah, sounds so exciting. It, it sounds like, yeah, a chant uh, to release someone named Dan that's in jail, but whatever. Um, he he looks like Thor with a big sword. He's your average, like, Viking knight or European knight. Long, blonde hair. He has a much uh, greater reach than Will. He has a higher stamina than Will. He's strong when he hits things and he has his own moveset as well. He learns a special 
special move where he can shoot a fireball. Is that yes, correct? Yes, and yeah. um, you can also strengthen that in another level for a hidden power up, and it uh, explodes and mm-hmm. turns into four fireballs. Oh wow, really? Yes. So he becomes quite baller. Um, and that's all of his skill set, correct? Yes. Okay, and then there's oh earthquake. He gets earthquake, but you only use it one time in the entire game. And what is that for? Um, you are in the runes, and you jump down, and you have to shake the ground to make an object stop moving so it doesn't attack you so you can move it out of the way with your psychic powers uh-huh yeah and yeah. it's literally one time in the entire game yeah just so our <laughs> listeners know this is one of those games where it doesn't really explain to you what to do so much and sometimes the um the answer is quite stupid like in, in one of the first areas ink and ruins there's these golden tablets that light up and you have to stand on the one after you do all this other bullshit you have to stand on the lit up tile which makes sense but nothing happens initially because you have to stay still for like 10 full seconds on that motherfucker for anything to happen of course nothing tells you in the game that you have to stay still on that tile and who in their right mind is going to you know just be like well maybe i'll just keep waiting right here forever and something will happen but you know that's and the game thing. is filled of stuff like that just yeah. like chock full yeah you get stuck over and over i this is the first game i was telling you guys pre-show that i had to actually call into nintendo and listen to like a recording to figure out where to go next <laughs> right it was painful i i remember having to do that on um ogre battle when i was a kid that was the one that ended up costing me uh probably more money than the game itself was worth just to learn how to unlock the different characters and whatnot on that game but that's not what we're talking about we're talking about illusion guy um yeah it's a it's a tough game but it's it's shelled as though it were a game for children mm-hmm. this has graphically it looks a lot like your Legend of Zelda, Secret of Mana, something in between. It looks there. fantastic. It's, it looks great. Yeah, it the is graphics beautiful. are amazing. Um, it, and I disagree with you slightly on the colors. It's more realistic than the other games. Well, okay. It, it's got the more muted tones. The structures are more um, proportional than this tiny little cottage and you're the same size as the door okay, when you walk sure. in. Um, I think it graphically held up really well, actually. Yeah, it looks tremendous. Uh, you know, There's some scenes in it, uh, like the scene where you're climbing the mast of the boat which mm-hmm. did some really cool stuff from, uh, you know, the Mode 7 scaling that they were able to do on the Super Nintendo. And, and I'm not really sure what time period this game takes place in because there are there's a biplane later on that flies mm-hmm. you to the Tower of Babel, which is the only actually, you know, you can argue it either way. I don't believe it actually ever existed, but um, it's the only non-historical building or area that you venture to in the game that I'm aware of. Um, the Sky Runes. The Sky Runes. What are those? Um, they're not actual an actual area that's known. Some people say it is um, Babylon. Okay. Like if you read online forums mm-hmm. and you talk to people who've played the game. But um, it's a village in the sky. You were talking about the ruins oh, from yeah. Peru. That's the ruins in the game. That's uh, where you go afterwards and you actually use gravity to jump up and down into different areas. Okay. It's a... Uh, it's not actually based in history either. Okay. We did, somehow, skipping around, we did miss the other character that you're able to change into, and his name is like Shadow... Shadow. Yep. Just Shadow? Shadow? Okay. It's just Shadow. Shadow. Just Shadow. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was a dramatic pause or if he was going Shadow. somewhere. Well, the Shadow knows. <laughs> 
Yes, the shadow knows. The shadow knows. Yeah, I love that. He's uh, he looks like a ninja, but like on fire. Like that's what he looks like to me. He looked like a blue ninja on fire. I guess he's supposed to be a shadow or whatever. And his special ability is he can melt into the ground, right? Um, yes. Yeah. And he does a karate chop with his arm. Yeah, yeah he's he has a really far reach with his attack. He, it looks like his arm forms into a saber or something, and mm-hmm. and he can attack pretty far. And and you can cheese your way through bosses. I found out watching Let's Play using his melt ability. Apparently you can hit something once and then immediately go into your melt and it'll continuously hit for that amount of damage while they're stuck inside your body. So you can just cheese your way through all the end bosses once you get shadow. So Now, I didn't I didn't get him this playthrough. How late in the game do you get him? Freaking late. It's very yeah, late. You late. don't get it's him late. until really you go late. to yeah. the pyramid. Um, you're literally in the last area pretty much before you get him. Yeah, it's a shame. Which, why? You know, that's... Yeah. It's one of those things is like if you're going to have a whole nother character to the game, at least have another six hours of gameplay with said character in this game. It seems like you get maybe two, you know, or have like a new game plus where you can exactly really start, start out, out with him. That would be yeah. amazing. Something. Yeah, yeah, something. Um, they kind of did the same thing with Kara, though. They announced that she's the white knight yeah. right at the end of the game. It didn't give you any time. Yeah, she's the spoilers if you don't want to know this 20 year old <laughs> game ending, but she is the yin to your yang will it turns out at the end of the game is the like guardian of earth or something but he's the dark half of that and Kara the princess is of course the light half of that and you have a choice at the end of the game whether or not you want to fight Gaia is that correct? Yes um, you actually have a choice you can choose to go back to Dao and um, let the comet destroy earth or you can go on and fight the dark Gaia and save earth and go to the more advanced time of earth which is present get, day present yeah. day when you get to the end of the game it actually um, the final scene is you're in a classroom and your teacher tells you be careful of the traffic when you go outside to bring you back to the beginning of the game when your teacher is telling you yeah. demons which leads you to believe that they're trying to say it's a duality of time right right yeah it's actually like parallel universes mm-hmm. I and mean, it's kind of hard to follow because of the translation being poor in this era but it, it is what it is and I think that went way over my head when I first right. played it, it, it still would if you were to you really have to like delve deep in order to get these kind of answers from the game. There is also a side quest in the game of collecting these red gems. And there's there's exactly 50 gems in the entirety of the game. And some of them can be missed and never be regotten because about halfway through the game, you can't visit those earlier stages. And some of them are ridiculously hard to find. They're like literally within a wall or mm-hmm. just stupid, stupid stuff. One of the first ones you get, there's this fisherman fish and you have to talk to him and enter an area and come back like two or three times and the last time after many he'll be in an area where he actually managed to pull this pot up from the river or whatever he's fishing in and you can search the pot and there'll be a red gem there now there is a guy that will give you power-ups depending on how many red gems you found total so if you found five of uh the 50 i think he gives you an herb and then at 10 he gives you like a defense up and then at 15 he gives you uh some other ability or something Mm -hmm. it goes all the way to 50 it does but do you know what 50 is yes he is actually a boss in the game yeah but only unlocks if you get all 50 crystals and he is balls hard he's actually the final boss from soul blazer the first game in the trilogy and he's there and you can beat him up he's the hardest boss in the game and for defeating this boss you get bragging rights oh wonderful absolutely nothing literally nothing else 
Um, you do get to know the story that he's actually yeah. the one who introduced the uh, slavery into the sure. South Town, which is Cape Town. He um he come after the end of the first game. I guess he like uh gets his essence gets separated in, into fifty pieces, which turn into these gems, and then through these gems he creates slavery and he creates want in certain slave owners or something to try and find these gems but it was going too slowly so he puts that want into our character will as well i again it's one of those things that probably doesn't translate a hundred percent and uh it is what it is but yeah there's really no point in doing it other than you know the the things leading up to the 50 which is my secret is the last uh thing it'll say you know my secrets or whatever so if you get all of them up to that point you really don't have to worry about battling the boss or anything there's no real point in it but yeah that's there's not a whole lot more we can talk about the game unless courtney you have some things you want to talk about maybe the eating of the pig i think that's a pretty funny scene where um these people are hungry right yeah that's a native village and the comet has come so close to earth at that point that um there is no food to eat and Uh people are turning to stone they're doing the rapid evolving from the dark comet and um hamlet saves everyone they're actually going to be cannibalistic and eat seth kara or it's not Seth, because Seth is eaten by a fish earlier. It, okay. Um, it's three characters, and it's Will, Kara, and a third. And they have him by the fire, and it's going. They've got the spit ready, and all the kids are tied up, and Hamlet throws herself onto the fire for you. Yeah, delicious. Tragic. Yes, Hamlet. Terrible. And then, of course, once they eat it, what you know, they'll just be hungry the next day. So didn't really solve yeah. a whole lot of problems. I guess the immediate uh, killing of children, which, you know, delicious, delicious children. Mm-hmm. Um the other white meat but yeah he <laughs> sacrifices himself to uh to save the kids and that's cool but again there's really not a whole lot more to say about the game the gameplay's tight it's a good game mm-hmm. um it's not overly rare and or pricey uh surprisingly because this has never been re-released when this game first came out i do want to mention real quick it did come packaged with it a t-shirt that says illusion of gaia i still have that t-shirt i have mine too that's cool. They're becoming kind of rare. They're actually, the, the t-shirt is becoming almost as pricey as the game itself. <laughs> and the game, you can buy loose for about $40 or $30 to $40. And uh, that's totally worth it. And you can actually get a box complete copy, which comes with the little manual that's in the map and everything. And the manual itself is a, really a mini strategy guide. It'll get you through a good portion of the game. Thank God. I think the developers knew, you know, what they had done. And they were like, okay, um, this didn't translate well. We're going to have to give these guys something so that they can actually get through the game or they're going to hate it, you know. So they went ahead and gave us that. And again, the the map, which whatever, it's cool. And uh, yeah, you can get that for about $80 and then sealed, you know, as per usual, a sealed Super Nintendo game is going to cost you, you know, like a car type of pricing, but uh, definitely not worth that. But yeah, this is, this is definitely worth it. I feel, I don't know. What do you think, Shane? I think it's worth it. Uh, Definitely have a walkthrough nearby. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you get stuck, uh, just go to the walkthrough because when you finally figure out why you're stuck, you're going to, you're just going to hate yourself. Yeah. Um, The music was pretty good. It's not really memorable, but it's not terrible. Yeah. Um, I do definitely want to touch on the music is good because I do want to add some of that throughout the episode. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing Final Fantasy 3 or 7 or any, you know, none, no. none of these like huge orchestral numbers, but it it was all pleasant. None of it was, you know, I didn't want to at any time having played this game, want to like turn it on mute or anything like that. It, no, it all no. fit the scenes and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, yeah. It looks great, too. I mean, that's yeah, probably its that's, best quality. It's uh, best sprites feature. are amazing. It really looks good for the Super Nintendo. It plays good. It's, it's all 
around pretty a pretty good game. It really doesn't have any um, faults, but it d- doesn't really have any uh, major strengths either. It's just kind of no like yeah. a, a a very run of the mill action RPG. And uh, for for the Super Nintendo, it's it's right in the middle of what is available for RPGs. This isn't Tecmo: The Secret Stars, but it's not Final Fantasy two, three, Chrono Trigger, or anything like that. And I, I would say this game is like barely an RPG. Right. It's like, because it's so linear, like you said, with the leveling system. And when you're moving around the map, you're pretty much directed where to go. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's barely an RPG. I'll I'll give it to it, but man, you can make an argument where it's kind of not. It's more, it's more of an action adventure game. If you really break it down. I mean, you do level up, but even the leveling up system, as we explained, is linear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can buy some items, but not really because you don't want to, because you want to save those red jewels. So it's, can't really upgrade your character. Well, you, I mean, you can level them up. But you can't like give them equipment. Mm-mm, so, no. and I believe but, there's only like twelve herbs in the entirety of the game, or something. There is exactly twelve, yeah. and you need them. Yeah, yes. most people say to have all twelve at the end boss. So, yeah, um, it's a good little game, though. I liked it. Um, I'd, I'd probably play it again at one point. I, I maybe. I will. <laughs> yeah, my uh, wife will definitely play it. It's too. literally my favorite game. Um, so, oh yeah, it's yeah. your favorite game. It's Favorite? That and Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. I have issues. And this is one of those nostalgia. Sure. We all we, yeah. we all I have games you. like that. I mean, we, we played through uh, Final Fantasy Legend 2 for James. That was his game. Um, yeah. I could barely trog through that game myself just because it's so antiquated. But for James, you know, he has all these nostalgic great memories of playing in car rides and such. And yeah, it just makes that much more for that person. And I have several games which I'm sure I can play through and literal no one else that I know would even be able to touch. You Precisely, know? yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I get that. And it's not a bad game to choose as your favorite. You know, you could have you could have done much worse, Court. So. <laughs> Thanks, dear. But no, um, and for what Blaine had said earlier, I didn't want to interrupt. Oh, I no. disagree with you with the negatives for this game. The writing is terrible. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, it's Ooh. horrendous. Um, there are True. very few points where it shines, like when you're talking to the slave traders. Um, there are points where it comes through and it's dark like it's supposed to to be but mm-hmm. this game should not be humorous in any way right um you're talking about well i don't want to get too in depth no but go like, ahead um you're talking about a slave trade you're talking about children selling themselves into the slave trade because there's no food where they live yeah you're talking about a dark comet that the people of the world created mm-hmm. and are having come back because we're creating demons like none of this is explained in the game at the beginning you have to learn this by going and talking to your gaia it definitely seems a little light-hearted for those kind of themes but that's kind of par for the course earthbound does this too you know where you have these kids going on an adventure and killing things and you know it's just you have to take the good with the bad and try not to overthink it too much with such things you know but i will agree the the writing probably took its biggest hit in being that it was a japanese game that was translated okay. into english um, and let's not forget about poor seth oh, yeah. you want to explain what happens to poor seth <laughs> they they jonah the whale <laughs> they did jonah the whale him. 
actually. But somehow at the end of the game, if you make it in-game, you get to talk to him again right before your dark battle with Guy. You also get to talk to Hamlet the pig. Oh, she yeah. says wink, Ooh. wink, and Seth's parents. Um, so, I mean, there's all the rebirth also in this game if you You also get to talk her. to your, your dad as yes. a spirit. Yeah, yeah um, you talk to him in the Tower of Babylon twice, mm-hmm. and then you talk to him in his spirit form again right before you fight Gaia. Yeah. yeah. No so much death. Yeah. I, I, through the entire game, actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Neil, the person who your cousin's with, who invents the biplane that Blaine was talking about, mm-hmm. and also scuba gear and several other things that you use, um, his parents turn out to be demons. Yeah, Yeah, sure. they're demons, and you have to use a special tea kettle to reveal that, and then he starts to stop the slave trade in the game. So, uh, a yeah. tea kettle. A tea kettle. Mm-hmm. It's a magic tea kettle. And this this is your favorite game. And this is <laughs> this is, my, <laughs> this is probably because I was nine or ten at no, the time playing this. Didn't understand magic tea it. kettles make a lot more sense as a nine year old. <laughs> no, I don't think they did. Pigs making sacrifices for humans. And stuff. You know that might have actually made sense to me. I, I actually remember playing this as a kid, and that scene in particular imprinted itself enough on me that I remember it now. I didn't see that recently, and I was just like, I remember that scene being like very dramatic as a child you yeah know? Uh, it was akin to the chrono trigger scene where you go to the future and everyone is starving and um they're, they're able to eat off like this some kind of energy beams or something but they're still hungry i remember that imprinting on in on me as well and you you know you find the seeds and they kind of want to eat them initially and you have to kind of explain no you can plant these and it'll grow into food and yeah um just one of those type of things it was probably just a little bit above my child brain to comprehend the uh enormity of that situation you know at that point and really you know i've been hungry quote unquote you know when i was a young man there was a few times where i couldn't afford groceries and i would eat you know ramen noodles all week but i never i've never failed to eat any given day i mean way back when i fasted you know when i was religious but um outside of that you know i've never gone hungry so it's kind of hard for me to relate yeah i don't know where i'm going with that <laughs> you can always edit later, dear. Yeah. Anyway, so that's uh, that's Illusion of Gaia. I don't know of anything else I want to make any points of on that game. You know, Terranigma is one that I've been wanting to play forever. I do have a version that runs on my Dreamcast, but it runs at like three-fourths speed, and that yeah. just makes it like unplayable. Um, I, everyone in the world says that that is like the best role-playing game or one of the best role-playing games for the Super Nintendo, so I definitely want to at some point get like a repro card or something for that, and maybe that's something we can do for the show in the future. That'd be really fun to do. Um, now, James, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, and it's been, you know, that dates the show a bit. You know, we do these a little bit in advance, but you attended San Diego Comic-Con, and I wanted to hear about some of the people you met and things you saw there, or whether or not maybe you saw some new games or anything of that nature. Oh, man, what an experience. This was actually um, my second time going to this convention, and it's uh, going to be something that I try to do um, each year. Um, but, uh, gosh, just a ma- I mean, I've been to a few other conventions, Sacramento's, uh, SACCon, Comic-Con. I've been to this, uh, Star Trek convention in San Francisco, but this oh, yeah. thing just dwarfs anything I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, I mean, sure. I can't, I can't even tell you how big this convention center is. I mean, I think you can fit 
gosh, I don't know, four football fields inside this building. I mean, it's just gigantic. It's quite large. Um, it is quite large. Um, yeah, I went Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, some of the big highlights, I met Pat the NES Punk, one of my heroes. Yeah. Uh, sure. got, a, got a photograph with him. That was pretty incredible. Yeah, we definitely um, I need s- to put that up on the Is It Worth It page. Some, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, yeah. Put that up. I'll send it. Oh, you have it. It's on my uh, uh, yeah, I can Twitter, Twitter or something like that. Yeah. Um, I saw the whole cast, the Suicide Squad. No. Uh, the whole cast? Yeah. The whole cast. You, know, I, you know, I, I can't. I can't confirm whether or not he was there, but I okay. saw everyone else. They so, were all in this panel at the DC booth. Jared Leto um, I, and yeah, Bobby, oh, what's her name? The hot chick from... Uh, Oh. Enchantress. Yeah. That's one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was definitely there. Oh, cool. Um I saw Wonder Woman. She was up top. Oh nice. Um I kinda hung out mostly around the DC booth. I did see uh Kevin Conroy got his signature. Oh wow. Um along with uh the guy that uh voiced Robin. Uh his name escapes me right now. Oh in the animated series? In the animated series, yeah. yeah. Not, not so Burt I, Ward, but No, not Burt Ward. It's like uh Rem- Remy, Remy, uh something like that. Um okay. I got a bunch of artists to sign. I have this big DC encyclopedia. I'm a big comic book guy for anyone that cares. Um, and I got this big DC encyclopedia and uh, all the DC artists that were there, a lot of them were actually in the book. So I had them sign that book. Oh, cool. Um, let's see, gosh, I, um, my first day there, I got a chance to preview the new resident evil, resident evil seven. Oh, no way. And Tell me about that. That was an experience. It was, I, it was the VR version. Oh. So they took, they take you into this room, they sit you down and they put like the headphones on, they put the VR on. And when it starts up, like you're sitting in a chair and your hands are handcuffed, um, which makes sense because you're holding the controller, so you can't let go of the controller. So it really feels like you know you're, you're kind of restrained um, due to the fact that you have to hold the controller and you're looking at yourself with handcuffs. And it was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life because you got this like camera facing you, like someone like you just woke up from like a drug induced uh, coma or something like that or stupor, and you get this camera's facing you, and you got this like friend that's just lying there in the ground. He gets up. And and he's like, you know, disco. He's, he doesn't know where he is. And he takes out a knife and he comes over to you and he tries to like cut the handcuffs off you, but he's cutting toward you. Oh, nice. So you're, you're sitting there and you're like pushing the controller as far away as you can. And he's just still cutting toward you. And then this zombie lady or zombie, I don't know if it's a zombie or just some crazy lady comes at him and kills him. And then you're just left there by yourself and you're like looking around and all of a sudden you see her like poke up from behind you. And then the whole screen goes black and bam, it's like a that she got you um graphically it's amazing sound was amazing i didn't get i didn't see much of the gameplay i don't think that was the gameplay that was just built as a trailer uh but that game's gonna be i think pretty cool they said they're gonna get back they're trying to get back to the roots of the game the survival horror no more the um you know running gun that they've kind of gotten to um but the whole event if you can make it out to san diego's comic con i definitely recommend it i mean of course treat it as a mecca you have to go at least once in your life check this thing out it's just it's just incredible <laughs> i definitely will I, but i don't know exactly when that is gonna be i've been meaning to go for years and years and years and years and years and years because you know i i used to be a comic book guy myself way back uh-huh. in the day and uh you know 
Comic-Con also deals with Magic the Gathering and TV shows. And I mean, it's just turned into all things nerd, basically. And yeah. I would fit in so well there, you know, and I know that, but it's just it's in San Diego and, you know, there's always things I could be doing with money. So I stick to the cons that are kind of closer to, um, to, you know, my hometown, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, those kind of type of areas and stuff. So I don't know. Well, one of these days... If you don't, even if, you know, you live nearby and you don't have tickets, you should still go because every, the whole city gets into it. I mean, yeah. Petco Park had events. The local hotels had events. Uh, the whole gas lamp district, which is their, like, downtown restaurant bar area, they just converted to, like, you know, superhero central. Yeah. Um, so, and there's, I mean, Sega was out there. Every, everywhere. Every, there's something everywhere. And there's just, but there's, gosh, tens of tens of thousands of people just yeah. roaming the streets everywhere. They got streets blocked off to try and help it out but it it, it gets a little congested oh, um one criticism i give it though um based on the, when i went five years ago and this year it felt like this year just so many people were there with a sole purpose to just like buy the comic-con exclusive swag Maybe only so. to just turn around and sell like Absolutely, i was in yeah. line waiting to see um data you know oh, Brett yeah, Spiner. Spiner. oh gosh and like the people in front of me are literally like taking photographs of like the stuff they just bought and putting them on ebay uh-huh. and i'm like that's just not the spirit of you know why we're all yeah. here so that, that kind of put a, a damper on things yeah. but that's you know there's, there's enough people that are having fun that's cool though. Um, did you you so, did get a, a something signed by brent i did get something signed oh, by brent man, i did cool. see the original ahura but she wasn't feeling too hot and uh well, she's 80 she, now so I, yeah i think she's older than that yeah. she's a uh, mid 80s I, maybe one funny thing was i walked by that same booth where i saw brett brent spiner yeah. and uh her and i saw oh god her name just escaped my mind who's the lady from the big lebowski um that that chick what's her name oh christ it's gonna drive me nuts now uh the redhead no the one that uh he blows She's she's married to Lebowski. Oh my God, Tara Reed, Tara Reed. Okay, there it is. Tara Reed. Okay. And they were like begging people to come over and get a signature from her. Like they're like trying to usher people in, and she's just by herself, and she looked terrible. Hopefully oh yeah, no, looks- I'm sure she's not listening, but yeah, she's one of those people. Her, Lindsay Lohan, Amanda Bynes, that just abuse drugs terribly. You have this beautiful girl, and then you yeah. know you just party literal twenty four seven for years and you turn into a shell of a thing that you once were yeah. and yeah it's just completely gross and then you have to do these cons and stuff to try and make a nickel so that you can you know form <laughs> yeah, your cocaine it. habit or whatever and yeah it's sad yeah the, sad. the saddest one to me always hearing about and I don't know if he still attends was uh, the guy that played uh, Timmy on the original Lassie back in like the 1950s and 60s he would always set up a booth at Comic Con and Oof. like they would beg people to you know hey why don't you come over and meet this guy that was in Lassie and most people don't even know that Lassie was a show or a movie or any, I mean it's lost to time almost you know they didn't, never rebooted it really you know I think they yeah. tried a couple of movies in the 80s or something and they flopped you know and but yeah this poor guy his the entirety of his career was just you know trying to get anyone to buy like signed photographs and stuff like that because you know he had no real marketable skills uh, although unlike Tara Reid and Lindsay Lohan and the like he didn't abuse drugs he just got very old so yeah <laughs> yeah poor guy <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, the guy, Comic Con's. Oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I was just gonna say the guy from the Monsters too. The guy that played Eddie Monster is also another fine example of someone that used to attend quite a bit. And hmm. people would be like, I don't really remember the Monsters. You know, it's like that was my grandpa's show. You know, and it's just yeah, it's just sad. I saw at a at a Star Trek convention. It was the guy who played the bellboy in Arrow Through Time in Star Trek Next Generation. Like he was there signing autographs. And I was wow. like. You're- you were in two episodes. Right. And it's amazing that I even remember who you are, but yeah, how are you here? $20 not, for an autograph? It literally doesn't matter um, <laughs> yeah. if you're in the show at all. You know, yeah, you can make a career of just going around, you know, signing things. In fact, what gets me is, you know, like all these reality shows and stuff that they have, James, where like someone will do one season of, say, you know, I don't even know what's out there now, but like The Real World or Rock of Love or any of these type of shows. Um, there were some amazing race people there i saw them yeah and then literally for the next 10 15 years whatever they can milk out of it they put themselves up you know they get an agent and that agent whores them out to like bars and stuff and like we had a few come here that's why it's like funny i don't even remember who they were some guys from rock of love or something and they pay them three grand it's a flat rate and you have to pay their airfare and they'll come out and party at your bar for a night and then you know you advertise on the local radio oh so and so from blah 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 is gonna be here this weekend and you get your picture and blah blah all that kind of crap and they just basically you're on one show that's pseudo popular and for the rest of your life you never have to work again not real work you just have to like show up and get drunk sounds pretty cool (laughs) to me man i wish uh wish our podcast was that huge That'd be nice. Maybe one day. <laughs> nah, I'm not really in it for the one fame. Day. But uh, yeah, that sounds awesome, man. I'd definitely love to yeah. check that out. Check it out. A uh, couple of things I'll just note, note was there was a big Nintendo room in a hotel next door where they had everything Nintendo, which was nice. Oh, wow. Um, and then, of course, all the comic book signings. It was, it was, was, It's a great thing. You, you got to go. You got to go at least once. Uh, not as much cosplay this year either. I dressed up as Dick Tracy. We'll put a picture of that up. Oh, uh, for real? Maybe for everyone to see. Yeah. Oh, you definitely and need to put a picture of that up. I was probably the only person there as dick tracy i think i might have seen one other guy but he was across the way i couldn't confirm but a lot of people recognized me a lot of people didn't but uh it was fun fun event Uh, i'll be there every year so if anyone's around the san diego area around comic con you know reach out get a drink oh yeah yeah i'm gonna definitely have to try and get out there one of these years i don't know when that'll be we've got a million places we always want to go you know family we haven't visited in years and years and the like and stuff we're pretty terrible about that but you know it is what it is life gets in the way so yeah yeah so we did have uh, an email from gosh i've already forgotten his name um Blahmaster. Blahmaster. And he was just, he talked a little bit about uh, the SNES show. And uh, did he have a list? I can't recall. Um, he did have a list. Uh, do you have it up? Yeah, I have it up. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I'll just uh, give it, his forward was, hey, just thought I'd write and say thanks for putting the podcast together. I'm one show behind at the moment, but I decided to go ahead and send you my own SNES top 10-ish. 10-ish list, I'm guessing. Afterwards, I'll be listening to your podcast about FF Legend 2, a game played along with Pokemon during my quest to find SNES quality RPGs on the Game Boy. Without further ado, and uh, his seven single-player games, let's see, has Final Fantasy 5 and 3 slash 6, Mario RPG, Kirby Superstar, uh, Maui Mallard, and Cold Shadow. Yeah, that one's a weird one. I I, I remember the the cover of the the game, it was like a purple and it had like this uh duck he looked like he could be from disney he kind of looked like a darkwing duck type 
character, except that he was a samurai or something. And he had like a mask on or something like that and was holding like a staff or something. I've never actually played the game. I think it's a side scroller platformer or something. I'm not positive of that though. Uh, He also mentions a link to the past, uh, the war against the war against uh, Gigas, G I Y G A S Gigas. Yeah. I don't know that one. No. And then uh, Lufia 2 was his number one for right. single player. For multiplayer, he put just three. Uh, Mario Kart, uh, Bomberman, and oh, yeah. Kirby Superstar. Yeah, that's a good one. I actually have that on layaway at the local um, video game shop, but they're closing. So I don't know if I'm going to get it out or not. But we'll see. Yeah, Unfortunately, I don't know if it's happening around where you're living at all. You're in Cali, so you probably don't have um, – or you probably have many more gaming stores and much more foot traffic than we have here. But uh, two or three years ago, we had, what, four retro gaming stores? Five. Five retro five gaming stores. And right now we're at three, but one is closing in September. So we'll have two retro gaming stores. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's really fallen off around here. Ever since uh, video games have gone digital, that part of their business is kind of unfortunately fallen to the wayside. And the uh, retro gaming part of it, unfortunately, isn't keeping them open. So, mm. yep, everyone's buying their games online, uh, you know, through download and what have you. And, you know, it makes sense. You know, I don't want to, like, stop progress. It just sucks, you know. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, but uh, he also did mention on Lufia 2, I I think I had said that uh, the Lufia game suffered from the whole thing where it's like when you attack somebody – if everybody attacks the same character and the first one kills that character, then everyone else just kind of stands there with a thumb up their butt and doesn't do anything. Uh, apparently that only happens in the first Lufia, and he corrected us and said that in the second game that they corrected that. So I'm definitely oh. going to have to revisit that Lufia. Um, unfortunately, I was looking through my games. I thought I owned both of them, and I don't. I have uh, Lufia Fortress of Doom, I think, is is the first one, or maybe that's the one in question. I don't know. I have the first one and not the second, the point being... Uh, um, so yeah, I'm, I guess I'm on the lookout for the second game. Uh, and maybe that can be one that we'll replay on a future podcast. I don't know. Um, yeah, please. We also did have a question from a good friend of the show, listener Josh, and, uh, he just did a follow up of his other question because, uh, I, I made the point, you know, we were discussing what kind of game system you would have if you were on a deserted island. And I think I made the point that I would bring the, uh, the PlayStation one because, or maybe the PlayStation two because it was backwards compatible with one and one had so many of the games from Super Nintendo anyway that it was like you basically had the hugest library possible, you know, right there. And uh, and he said, yeah. And then I recanted that. I said, well, you know what? Um, maybe I would take the uh, Philips CDI because it could double as a boat. And, uh, <laughs> and he kind of laughed and he's like, yeah, well, what about the worst system of all time? And, you know, this is, this is a question that's a little more interesting in some ways than the best system of all time. Because it, it, I don't know. It, it also has questions. Like if you're just going for a straight worst system of all time, I would have to say the original Odyssey. I don't know if you're familiar, James. But um, oh yeah, yeah, vaguely. I mean, it, that's like before Nintendo, isn't it? Oh I mean, yeah. Well, it was I mean, before uh, the twenty six hundred. It was this system. The video game fall. Yeah. Oh no, bef- well before this is like late seventies, seventy seven, seventy six, something like that. Um, it would put a dot on the screen that you could control it was just it was a black screen with a dot 
a white dot that would glow and you can move it about and you would put these overlays on the television itself. They would come with different sized overlays and you would stick them to the TV and you could play Pong, even though you weren't really playing Pong. You were just pretending with this light dot. You'd get the same effect of an Odyssey, like shining a laser pen or a flashlight on the wall with some drawings. That is effectively what's going on with the Odyssey. So yeah, that's terrible, but it's a product of its time. So I wanted instead to be like, okay, what's the worst system of all time? I want to discuss what is the worst system for its time period. And I uh, hate to lay it on you like that. I know you didn't have any chance to really think about, uh, you know, what, what system it may be for any given era. But for me, the worst system of any given era is the Atari Jaguar. Uh, have you have a displeasure of playing one of these things? No, because weren't they stupid expensive? Like They kind of were. They weren't yeah. cheap. They weren't like, uh, say, 3DO or uh, Neo Geo levels of expensive or anything. But they they weren't the cheap system. The cheap system of the era was, the, you know, the Super Nintendo and, uh, mm-hmm. and then yeah. later the N64. And it was touted as being the first 64-bit system, which it really wasn't. I believe the way that they – it had like two 32-bit processors in it side by side, which doesn't actually add up to 64. It's it's like, no, that's two 32-bit processors. It's not actually, you know, a 64-bit, you know, it's, I'm not a tech guy, but it was explained to me like, no, it's not anywhere near an actual 64-bit system, but they touted it as such. And it was the last hurrah of Atari. It had a lot of throwbacks to the older systems that had long ago been like, uh, just forgotten and for good reason. Like the controller itself is probably the most egregious. It, um, it's huge for one. And then it's got this crazy number pad on it. And you're talking about this is, this came out after the Super Nintendo and you've got this thing. It's like one through nine. I think I could grab one, but I don't feel like reaching for it. And, um, it's got like your standard like A, B, and C buttons and a D-pad, but then it also has like one through nine. And depending on the game, it would come with these little like, I don't know what else to call them. They're like an overlay that would like fit into the controller itself, this little plastic sheet. And then it would tell you like what each button did on there. Like on the sheet itself, it would say like this button to go to your equipment screen, this button to, you know, switch between your equipment or whatever it was for any particular game. Unfortunately, not very many games actually utilize that. So so you ended up with like all these like one through nine buttons that were all it looked like a calculator in the center of a controller. And it was just this big bulky thing. And then the games themselves were 99% just horrendous. Like I have what is considered to be by many the best game for the system, which is Alien versus Predator. And that game is shit. I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, people say it's great. It plays a lot like Doom, which we'll be talking about Doom and the movie in an upcoming episode of Video Games the Movie. Anyway, um... But it's not quite Doom. You can play as the soldier, like in Doom, or you can play as the alien. Um, and if you play as the alien, he only has, like, the base attacks of a swipe and a bite. But also, when he takes damage, he'll drop, like, little puddles of blood. And if people walk over it, they take damage. And if you play as the predator, you can turn invisible and, like, throughout the game, you'll learn new skills and so on and so forth. Now, if you kill someone while you're invisible, you'll lose honor points. You get, as you gain more honor points by killing things, quote-unquote, honorably, um, and you get more depending on which weapon you use, then you'll unlock new weapons and such, which all of that sounds awesome, I know, but it's not. It's just terrible, in my opinion. And outside of that and Tempest 2000, there's really not a lot to 
to say about the system. So I feel like that's probably the worst system for any given generation. You can make an argument that 3DO might be right there with it, but it did have a really great version of uh, Street Fighter 2, which that alone, in my opinion, like escalates it above the Jaguar. I don't know. What do you think, James? What's your most hated system for any given era? Oh, my most hated system... Um It'd have to be the Virtual Boy. Oh, yeah, um, God. The, I mean, for those of you that don't know about it, you know, you're lucky. But it's just, it was, uh, I don't even know how to explain this. It was it was like, vir- it's supposed to be virtual reality, kind of like we're getting to now. Um, but it sat on your table. It was one player, kind of like virtual reality is now, I guess. But it was all red and black um, lines that weren't filled in. It was it was like Game Boy, but red and black and three-dimensional and just gave you a headache. Yeah. I used, I'd go to Toys R Us and they'd had one set up and I'd try it out. And you only try it out for, you know, three or four minutes, you're fine. Um, I didn't get one, but I had a buddy that had one and it was just kind of weird going to his house and like that's all he had and we'd have to just literally just take, take turns yeah. turns and we'd just be staring at a guy playing like ask what's going on what's going on what's right. going? he couldn't see it and then after playing it for 15 20 minutes god you, you had it you got a head you got a headache that was yeah. it i think they only released like nine games for it i believe nine, and yeah. it, it was a real short-lived system um well, I, I don't it. remember yeah. I don't remember many. Of the, I remember there was a Wario game I played. There was some that ship one's game. Good, yeah. That that was you know that should have been you know they should have taken that game and put it on the Game Boy or something though because exactly. it's, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't virtual reality. It no. was you know it was it was a series of actual mirrors that caused it to kind of look like it had some yeah. depth to it. But, but yeah, in the two color mode really just gave you a headache. I don't know why they went with yeah. red over literally any green. like well black yeah green would have been a much more muted color blue something like that yeah. Um, it had a couple of games for it, you know, uh, Teleboxer is kind of cool. Um, Wario Land, as you said, Mario's Tennis is pretty cool. After that, they fall off pretty dramatically. Japan actually got a few more games than we did. Um, now, they did have in the works that it came with like a link cable to where you could link it to another um, Virtual Boy and play like against someone. And I think that would have been cool, but that never came to fruition. Um, yeah. It had a really unique controller, too. I remember the controller was like, it had didn't a have a D pad on both sides. Yeah, a D pad on both sides, which was kind of cool for like games that you would control one arm or the other or something like that. And yeah. That was nifty. But then it had games like Waterworld, where the whole game is basically a Defender clone, except instead of, you know, a spaceship, you're on a catamaran, you know like in the movie Kevin Costner's characters on this boat in the ocean and uh that's depicted all in red and black so of course they had to depict the boat in red and the waves are like these little they just look like a a child's rendition of a bird like just a almost a w you know or the waves and then other boats would come at you and you would fire at them endlessly until you died and because of the color palette was literally one color it just looked like you were a flying sailboat you know flying through space with a bunch of birds flying around and yeah just just terrible and that was you know that was the virtual boy it caused uh gosh i can't think of his name the poor guy's dead now um it caused him to lose his job even though he had invented uh you know metroid and some other big names for nintendo it was such a failure that you know they asked him to step down and he did yeah that's a that's a prime example of uh of a bad video game for the system and nintendo themselves don't really acknowledge that it ever existed they they basically it was out for a few months it was obvious it was a flop they pulled it from shelves and then 
They just went whole hog back into supporting the original Game Boy. And you're talking about in an era when uh, things like, um, well, the Atari Lynx had gone, came and gone. The Game Gear had came and gone. Now you were running into, you know, just bigger and better things. You know, we're almost to the era of uh, the 64-bit system with the N64. I think PlayStation was already out at this time. Um, just crazy. Yeah. So the the thought process behind this is, you know, that, that VR was like super hyped and super wild wanted in the late 90s but the technology just wasn't there and they were trying to fake it till they make it kind of thing and it just wasn't happening <coughs> how about you courtney court you got one no no input <laughs> yeah court i think you just grew up when you were growing up you had uh, just the super nintendo is that right no we had every system <laughs> Every system? Wow. Every system. You're rich? Every Christmas, we had the newest system. Really? You had wow. a Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. You had a PlayStation. PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2. We, I believe I was... Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. I believe I had moved out by the time the PlayStation 2 was... But you didn't have like a Sega CD or a 3DO or a Neo Geo and all that kind of stuff. Oh, no. No, okay. So you had all the popular systems. Yes, okay. any system a child would want. Hey, come on. <laughs> there were some kids that loved the 3DO. I personally, I grew up up with the Sega CD, and I you know, look behind me. I, mean, I I've got, know. I've bought several of them for Christmas. She, you did. My wife yeah. has definitely helped me with my uh, my collection and numerous accounts. Um, some of my biggest, most expensive games were, in fact, bought by her. So thank you for that. Um, so all your systems, you're saying, were actually good ones, and you have no input. <laughs> <laughs> I have no input because I haven't played a, a bad system. A well, bad system. Well, maybe we'll have to remedy that at some uh, point. No, no. I'm good. I would rather not be tortured. Okay. Now, if I had to pick a favorite system, System, it'd probably be the N60. Oh, yeah? Why is that? Oh, come now. Um, Or the PlayStation 2. You know why. My favorite games are Mario. Yeah. She, Cord <laughs> loves Mario 64. She loves Mario Kart. Mario Kart all time. Like That's probably, arguably, to some anyway, the best 3D Mario game. It's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's been beaten, but it was definitely amazing for its time. Mario Kart 64, I still maintain, is probably the best Mario Kart. I think. I, I, I agree. What do you think? I agree. Yeah. I 100% agree. Um, we used to build our bomb forts up for hours. Like each person got a color and you weren't allowed to move until a little timer went off. And then it was all out war with me and my siblings. So again, I think that might be a nostalgia thing for me. That's still great. Yeah. Still great. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I don't have anything else to say. I don't, let's see. I, I was recently on an episode um, of Bajorn's podcast. I think it's called All Things Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I, I linked it on our Twitter or on my Twitter page, you can find it there. We talk about the movie Willow, uh, the books about Willow, um, the video games about Willow. And if you're unfamiliar with Willow, do yourself a favor. It's online. You can watch it on YouTube for free. It is a great classic film from 1988. Uh, Ron Howard made it. It's got Val Kilmer, um, some other notable actors. Uh, of course, Warwick Davis, uh, who you may know as having played um, Wicked in the Star Wars movies and such. Uh, he was a young man in this film. Of course, he's a little person and He's the main character, and it's all about magic and sorcery and the like, and really great. We ended up going a little long. I think we almost talked two hours on that show, so definitely check that out. I also recently did an episode of Playing With Power. Um, you can check that out. The sound on it, unfortunately, was a little bad. It sounded to me like... Um, 
my my voice was coming through like a half second before mics and we ended up not syncing quite right so you'll hear people laugh before a joke is told or well after the punchline hits or something and it's just like it's kind of wonky but if you listen to it you can piece it out and it, it was a, it was a good episode we'll probably do more in the future in fact we'll probably uh, be asking mike to be on the next episode which will be over the game parasite eve for the original playstation you can also find this on uh, psn network um so there's no excuse for you guys not to play the game with us um let's see you should listen to our friends over at the rpg show definitely you're already listening to derek and don's show so definitely listen to them too they've had a brief hiatus but i'm sure they're coming back um they always do so you know they've been doing this stuff for a lot longer than me and james have and they always Ooh. come back so don't worry uh, daddy and daddy are coming back um Let's see. What am I forgetting, James? I think that's everything. Video games, the movie. Did you talk about oh, that? Yeah, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Definitely check out James yeah. and I. Other podcast, Video Games, the movie. It's hosted by The RPG Show. You can catch me at RetroKel. That's K-H-E-L at Twitter. You can write me at SimmonBelmont at Outlook.com. You can contact James at J. Milholland on Twitter or write him at GoodBuddyJames at Outlook.com. Good, you, no, Google.com. Uh, Google.com. Google. Or Gmail. Gmail.com. Okay. <laughs> gmail.com my bad you can check us out on facebook at is it worth it podcast you can literally you can find us almost anywhere at this point we're everywhere definitely leave us a rating or review on this show and on our video games the movie podcast we are really light on reviews on that right now and we could really use some help in that department because every time we get a review we get more views through itunes because they'll bump us up the leaderboards and as such more people are prone to find us so definitely would appreciate that i think that's about it thank you to my lovely wife Courtney for sitting in and actually playing the game for this month because you know I'm a lazy bastard and she she does a lot of my stuff for me actually <laughs> and thank God for for that I, of course you know I don't believe in God but whatever thank who whatever it is that brought her and I together thank you for that thank you also James you're always great and until Absolutely. the next time uh, I don't know keep it retro we'll see you next time keep it retro <laughs> alright bye bye
Nick loves eating poo. <laughs>